Be warned prior to entry. Filming feelings may contain spoilers to any of the films listed in the description. Please check before you proceed. Thank you very much. You do not know the power of the dark side. Hello there once again, lovely listeners, and welcome to another episode of Filmic Feelings. Yay! Yay! Oh my goodness. Um... I think, Cooper, you did quite a good job with those Darth Vader. Oh, I thank you very much, my Um, young Padawan. I'm sorry. If anyone's the young Padawan here, it's you, my friend. But anyway, uh, as you can maybe guess from the uh, Star Wars-iness of our intro, we are doing an episode today about Star Wars. So with the release of the new series Ahsoka... Um, it would have come out yesterday by the time this episode's coming out. Oh, really? Yeah. So <clears throat> we're, you know, pre, pre, pre-recording this a bit just because, um, you know, there'll only be two episodes and we'll literally only watch them the night before this podcast comes out. Um, and so what we'll probably end up doing is in a few weeks time when we're at the end of the show, we'll probably come back and do a kind of look back on the show. Um, but for now, we really wanted to talk about Star Wars television because if you've not been following Star Wars television, you probably don't know who Ahsoka is. You know, if you've watched The Mandalorian, you or The Book of Boba Fett, you've seen her. But if you haven't watched some of the other animated shows, which Cooper hasn't, whereas I have, you probably don't know a lot about Ahsoka. And so we basically just wanted to talk, we wanted to use this opportunity to talk a little bit about Ahsoka, but mostly just about Star Wars television generally over the last kind of 15 years or so. Um, Really all the stuff that's canon at this stage, which is pretty much everything beyond the Clone Wars, uh, which started in 2008. So, Cooper... What What is your relationship to Star Wars? Just because, you know, the audience have heard us talk about Star Wars a little bit uh, on the last season of the main show. But if someone's, you know, just listening, maybe this is their first episode, um, what's, what's your relationship with Star Wars? Well, if it's your first episode, then welcome. Yes, welcome if it is your first episode. It's entirely possible. Yes, uh, please enjoy the show. And so my relationship with Star Wars is... I haven't been watching it for that long. Uh-huh. I started watching Star Wars just before the second season of Mandalorian came out. Yep. Um and then And how did we convince you to watch Star Wars? Uh which Star Wars are we talking about? Mando or actual Star Wars? Uh well it's it's all kind of the same thing to a certain extent. So For the main Star Wars films, you convinced me because you hadn't watched the Fast and Furious franchise yet. Oh, yes. That is how I convinced you to watch them. Yeah. So for every Star Wars film that I watched, you had to watch a Fast and Furious film. There we go. That was the deal we made. 
Well, and you were interested in them because you had seen, of course, Mando, Baby Yoda. Mando by then. The child. Yeah. Grogu, whatever we want to call him. But yes, you'd so you'd been watching The Mandalorian. You'd watched the first season and then the second season. And then it was kind of getting you caught up on, on the happenings in the world of Star Wars. On the Skywalker saga. Yes. Meanwhile, I have I've been watched watching every single thing ever made from Star Wars. Not every single thing ever made, just every single most thing. of them. Um, I have been watching Star Wars since I was like three or four. Mum was a big fan of Star Wars, still is to this day. Um, and so I'd watched all of the movies, you know, by the time I was three or four. Um, I think Attack of the Clones had just come out. It would have, yep, because it came out in like 2002. And then Revenge of the Sith was, I think, 2005. So, yeah, by the time I was about six, I'd kind of watched every Star Wars that there was up to that point. I did watch the Clone Wars growing up, but I didn't really have a lot of retention of it. I ended up watching it years later, that and Rebels um, and a few other things because I kind of moved into more the Marvel DC world and then have come back to Star Wars and this kind of renaissance of Star Wars since Disney bought it where now there's all these new movies and shows and things like that. So I reckon, Cooper, we first talk about the shows that you're familiar with. So the stuff that's come out since about 2019, the live action shows, because you haven't watched a lot of the animated stuff. And we can kind of circle back around and I can talk about... We can circle back around and I can talk about more of the animated stuff in a little bit. So first and foremost, the beginning of this kind of new renaissance of Star Wars on television began in 2019 with season one of a little show called The Mandalorian. Yes, so The Mandalorian, I don't think they actually estimated how big it was going to become Mm. because it became probably one of the biggest things apart from the main movies to come out of Star Wars probably. Well, and the first season of the show was very different to anything Star Wars that we'd seen. You know, it's it's a lot similar to something like Rogue One over something like um, any of the like main Star Wars movies because it doesn't have like a super strong Jedi presence in that first season. Yes, but there was one difference to it in Rogue One. Mando right. was actually good. Hey, I maintain Rogue One is a good movie and I will not apologise for that. I will disagree fully. Well, you're entitled to that disagreement, but I think that Rogue One is uh, one of the greatest Star Wars films and Hayden Christensen, who plays Anakin Skywalker, agrees with me. So, Well, I will say this. I like the end scene with Darth Vader in the hallway. Darth Vader, yeah. It is a good scene. But, yes, so The Mandalorian Season 1 is very... It kind of goes back to the roots of what Star Wars was always kind of meant to be where, and we talked about this in our, oh, what episode was it, Cooper? Like episode 14, I think we did about Star Wars. It was whatever look. one was on the May, was May 4th. It was yes. one around then. I think it was episode 14. Um, I'm just double checking our log of the show. Let me go up here. 
while we, we do this, we are, going, we are going to go to a quick Oh, no, episode break. 14 was the chocolate episode. It was, was earlier the Star than Wars that. episode. Oh, okay. It was episode nine. So episode nine was all about Star Wars. Um, oh, we did it super early. We did it in... Oh, because we didn't have an episode come out in Mar- in May. Um, so we did this in March. So um, we did a whole uh, episode on, uh, you know, the original concept of Star Wars. Oh, I know why we did this because season three came out. Oh, yeah, that's why. Mm. I knew we did something on Mando Season 3. We did. So this is what we did. We talked about what Star Wars was always meant meant to be and because Star Wars, George Lucas kind of came up with it because of his love of uh, Western movies and samurai movies, which there's a lot of um, thematic crossover in those two genres. But he wanted, you know, Jedi to basically be like wandering samurai and... um, bounty hunters to be these like western characters so the mandalorian really leans into that comparison because you know the main character is this kind of gunslinging um almost ned kelly like he's in the bulletproof armor kind of wandering around a lot of a lot of desert landscapes getting into scrapes with the law um but yeah, so the Mandalorian has had three seasons now, and with each season, they kind of uh, they introduce a lot more elements from the greater Star Wars universe. So of course, in season two, we had uh, Ahsoka came into the show. We had Bo-Katan Kryze, who's a character that first appeared in the Clone Wars, then appeared in Rebels, then appeared in the Mandalorian. We in also season three as well. She was quite a big part of season major, three. Major player in season three. But she was also... Um, but in The Mandalorian season two, you also have Luke Skywalker appears. And I mean, that's a massive kind of emergence for that character. Yes. CGI Luke Skywalker, obviously. Yes. And in that second season finale, not very good CGI. Thankfully, they made it better for the Book of Boba Fett when that eventually came out which then i mean if we're talking the mandalorian we have to talk about mandalorian season 2.5 which is the book of boba fett literally it is the second and a half season of mando yeah which as a show just i think really struggled with its identity it felt like it was having a real identity crisis for most of that show because you had the first half of the season was with your title character, but more than half of the episodes were spent with him in back to tanks, remembering his life with the Tuscan Raiders in the desert, which for some reason he learnt honour from a group of nomadic tribesmen in the desert that superseded all of his years of being a bounty hunter. It was very confusing. But... You know, you get a lot of Mando and you get more of Ahsoka and Luke and all of these different characters in the Book of Boba Fett. And then you come back to Mandalorian Season 3 where um, it's all about a quest to reclaim Mandalore, which uh, they do. They reclaim Mandalore from the Imperials. Yes, and obviously it wouldn't be the Mandalorian without... Mm. 
cute baby Yoda scenes. Yes, cute scenes of little Grogu. Taking over like, every shot. <coughs> yeah. And then the little uh, Enzelans oh. who are who are the Babu freaks going, Oh, bad buddy. That's crazy. Yeah. Bad baby. That's crazy. Yeah, and the baby using the former droid IG-11 as a little mech mech suit and, like, going, no, no, no. I no, hope we no, get that back. No, no, no. I don't know. I want to see that again. Did they recover that suit? I don't remember. I think they left it behind. I don't know. They can always build another one. But anyway. What happened to the egg? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know what happened to the egg. But um, there... We'll talk a little later in the episode about what's going to come from The Mandalorian um, in terms of what's kind of next up for that series Um, because it's kind of got this overarching narrative that's taking place across multiple series in that period of time because The Mandalorian and similar shows like that takes place about five years after Return of the Jedi. Yes. So... Cooper, we, I, th- I think we can kind of put a little bow on that one for now by just saying that we are, you know, The Mandalorian was your introduction to Star Wars. We're fans of The Mandalorian. We like what it has, you know, what it offers. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's very interesting the way that they build um, or rather construct scenes and sets and do all their costuming and stuff. It's, it's a pretty solid show. Yes. All right. So, Cooper, out of the next two live-action shows that we've got here on our list, which one would you like to talk about first? Should we do the better or the worst first? Up to you. Okay, so we're going to go with the worst. Uh Uh-huh. Which is... I genuinely have no idea which one he's about to say. The worst worst of those two, and I think you'll agree with me, which is Obi-Wan. I would agree with you. I think that I was never one of the people clambering to see an Obi-Wan um, series. Not necessarily like not see an Obi-Wan series, but I think I think that's also because I've watched a lot of the extended stuff in like the Clone Wars. Like I've seen a lot of Obi-Wan and his life experiences and stuff like that. And, you know, even in Rebels, he appears in one episode. And I feel like that one episode is more impactful on his character narrative than the six episodes we get in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Because he's just... He suffers a bit from the Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi situation where he's kind of this washed-up old Jedi... He's not quite as miserable as Luke, but, like, he's very just, like, I don't know, super checked out emotionally from what's going on in the universe. And it just, the whole thing just feels kind of, eh. It's like, oh, cool. He Like, the coolest thing that happens is he fights Vader. That was cool. And, yeah, but that was, like, the end of episode six. The rest of the show, it just kind of meanders through... We don't see a lot of the Inquisitoris, which are the Jedi hunters who um, are chasing Jedi. 
We don't see a lot of the rebellion. We just don't, like, we see quite a bit of Leia, but it's like, okay, so, like, Leia also spent a lot of time with Obi-Wan. Like, what? Well, that does kind of give us a bit of backstory because she called on Obi-Wan in the first film. Yes, but also in the first film she's like, you served with my father during the Clone Wars. You'd think that if she had this personal experience with him, yes, I know that she thinks his name is Ben Kenobi, but also Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you at least think that they're, like, related in some way. Yeah, well, you actually, I mean, if they had said that, then this show would have probably come years before, I would imagine. I just think that it it complicates later parts of the narrative to have Leia have this really formative experience with Obi-Wan when she's very young. And it also raises like questions of like Obi-Wan comes out of hiding to do a favour for Bail Organa of Alderaan and like he's been in hiding for 10 years and none of the Inquisitoris at any point go, like, maybe we should investigate, like, the situation with Bail Organa and, like, what happened there. And, like, it just puts a lot of focus. I Like, for me, if I were an intelligence operative in the Star Wars universe, I'd be like, so Obi-Wan Kenobi, who, who we have not been able to find for 10 years, like, we have not been able to find even a trace of where he was. For 10 years, he appears for like a week to protect this one girl. And I'm pretty sure Vader even sees the girl. I don't remember. But, you know, they know that she's that he's protecting this one girl. So they go, okay, well, that's from a colleague of his during the Clone Wars. So what's the situation there? Why would this friend, how would this friend know how to reach out for, to Obi-Wan and why would Obi-Wan come out of hiding to protect this girl? And then you start getting into the situation of like, then is it, you know, it's entirely possible that from that you could infer all of this other stuff about, oh, well, maybe who's this girl? You know, oh, she was adopted, but we don't have adoption records for her. We don't have like a birth certificate for her. I don't know. It just puts a lot of like, focus on the situation with Leia that I just think isn't needed. You didn't need to have her in that show. Yeah, but I think they just wanted to have her in that show, I feel like. Sure. I feel like they wanted to have a familiar character. But I think that's my issue is that they want to go for a familiar character over something with a bit more story weight. Because, like, if you actually wanted to go with something like that but have a bit more weight in the narrative, you know, Obi-Wan had this very complicated relationship with the Empress of Mandalore during the Clone War. Yeah, so her name was Satine Kreese. She was Bo-Katan's sister because Bo-Katan is a member of the royal family. She's a princess of Mandalore. Her sister was the Empress and her sister had met Obi-Wan when they were younger and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn had gone out to Mandalore to solve some on a peacekeeping mission of some kind 
and they'd kind of fallen in love. But of course, Obi-Wan had his duty and she had hers. And so they could never really be together, but they had this very like back and forth flirtatious relationship. And then Satine is killed by um, Darth Maul with the Darksaber right in front of Obi-Wan. Oh. Yeah. He literally holds her in his arms while she dies. And then later, of course, if you've watched Rebels, you know that Obi-Wan, Darth Maul finds Obi-Wan on Tatooine and Obi-Wan kills him and then holds him in his arms. The man who killed the love of his life and his master, Obi-Wan holds him in his arms while he dies and then closes his eyes and buries him on Tatooine. And is that when he dies? When who dies? Darth. Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah. Because I... Like, I thought he originally died in that Star Wars film when they cut him. Well, they cut him in half, and the the story is, is that he fell down into the bowels of the um, reactor core there and basically, like, um, I think he eventually... Well, there was something that happened. Eventually, he um, had, like, cybernetic legs on and was, like, skittering around on this junk planet. Um, and he lost his mind and then he regains his faculties and becomes this uh, crime boss. There's all this stuff that happens. It's all in the Clone Wars, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I just feel like rather than going for like a Leia situation, you know, there's, um, you know, Satine has, and this is branching into kind of theory, Satine has this nephew, quote-unquote nephew, whose name is Corky. And if I show you a picture of him, Cooper. Please stand by, audience. Please stand by for a picture of Corky. We will go into ad break. Not really. Well, there's Obi-Wan. Yeah, so look at the two of them together. Okay. There are theories that Corky is actually Obi-Wan's son. Now, that's... Very possible. It's likely not true because it would mean that Obi-Wan, like Anakin, betrayed his oaths and he wasn't that type of person. But even despite that, what's undisputed is that Obi-Wan was in love with Satine. So... What you then have is you have this opportunity where you have this young man who his planet's been destroyed, you know, and we know a lot about, you know, the public know a lot about Mandalore because of the Mandalorian. You have this young Mandalorian whose aunt's been killed, who's angry. You know, it's a few years after Revenge of the Sith, the you know, the Empire are everywhere and they're persecuting Mandalorians. You could very easily turn this young guy into a character that the audience could care about. Yeah. You can also bring, like, there are so many different ways to do it. Because originally, Obi-Wan was meant, the series was meant to be very different. Was it? Because it was actually originally meant to be... Okay, give me a minute. For about the fifth time, audience, please 
give us a second to do some research. Yeah. Chow was asked, the greatest example of there being more to Obi-Wan's story is the involvement of a 10-year-old Leia Organa. How did this being swing happen? It was already happening before the director came onto the project. It was also nothing that said they hadn't met before. I mean, there kind of is, but anyway. Hello there, we've just took a take, uh, took an, taken a brief, brief break to do some deep diving on the Obi-Wan situation. It, it looks like originally it was meant to be more of like a Luke Skywalker-centric story, which I think that that would have been worse than what we got because um, it just complicates things a lot more. Um, I thought I read at the time that it was coming out that originally uh, Darth Maul was meant to play a more central role and that they were kind of going to rewrite a bit of what happened in Rebels where Darth Maul finds Obi-Wan and dies, which I'm glad that they didn't, you know, have those two meet at that time. But I do also think that maybe having... Obi-Wan working in the shadows to undermine Darth Maul and that's how Darth realises that Obi-Wan is actually alive um, still and that his his great enemy is not dead would have been interesting. But, you know, it's, it's all a matter of personal preference. Ultimately, I just think that the show that we got was just a little disappointing. And I think you'd agree, Cooper. Yeah, I still think it was all right, but... Oh, I think it was all right, but I just... I. I don't know. I now, without mentioning the last one, I think people already know it though. Out of those, what is your least favourite? Because I don't think it's the one that we're about to come on to. Oh, it's definitely not the one we're about to come on to. What is my least favourite? I'd say probably The Book of Boba Fett is my least favourite. Really? Yeah, because even though I didn't like Kenobi, at least I can look at Kenobi and I can go... This tells the story of the character it sets out to tell and it's consistent and it makes sense. The Book of Boba Fett, while it has a lot of great moments, halfway through it stops being about Boba Fett. And even through a lot of the show when you're following Boba Fett, I don't know. It's just not that interesting. He's a very I think what they found about halfway through is that while Tamura Morrison is a great actor, Boba Fett is a really dull character. He's just not got a lot of presence or personality that you can really do anything with. And I just feel like they were too afraid to commit to some things and not afraid enough to commit to others. Because, you know, Cad Bane in the show. Yeah, I was about to come on to that. Well, because there's a, a plot line in... The Clone Wars that never ended up going to screen, where there's a, f- a standoff between Cad Bane and Boba Fett, and that little dent in Boba Fett's helmet in the Beskar. Yeah, I think you've told me this. Yeah, that's where Cad Bane shot him in the head, and he actually also um, shot Cad Bane, and that's why when Cad Bane's hat falls off, there's like a metal plate on his head. And that's from where he's basically been patched up from where Boba shot him. Um, yeah, I thought his character was very cool in that film. Oh, Boba, F- uh, sorry, Cad Bane is awesome. But they also, you know, they use him for the last two episodes. And I'm like, I understand that, like, you know, it might be difficult to use him because that 
like the way he looks is insane and I, I'm assuming it would have taken a lot of money to achieve that look. But I would have loved to have seen, even in just the episodes that we saw, see a bit more of him and, you know, because I think it just really, that that show really suffers from the fact that half of it is about the Mandalorian. Yeah, because I remember what I just saw a figure out in the desert and all I heard from next to me was, Oh my God! I think it was a lot more high-pitched and like girly than that. It I was. I was so excited. And then he's like standing there and he's like, You can't All that we need you to do is not get involved. So good. Um, but yeah, I think the book of Boba Fett's my my least favorite. Um, question for you, same question for you. What is out of those? What do you think? Uh, should we quickly talk about the next one before I talk about that? Why is the next one your least favorite? No, uh, we'll just say it anyway. Mine would probably be the book of Boba Fett. As much as I like Tamora as an actor and we've actually gotten the chance to meet Tamora. Yes, we did at a at a supernova, so like Comic Con. Yeah, so we got the chance to meet him and he's a lovely guy, he had so much energy there. Oh yeah, he's he's fantastic. And I've I've got friends who have worked with him on films and stuff and he's apparently a lovely, lovely guy and I'd love to work with him. But Yeah, because he just said, Hey mate, like like your jacket, because I yeah, was wearing my wearing a Boba Fett jacket. And he gave me a handshake, and we got a photo, and it was it was amazing. But I just think that that show was a little bit of a letdown. Sorry, Tamara. Well, but I think that the part of the reason why it's such a letdown is was because we didn't get to see his potential. Exactly, he doesn't get to do a lot, and yeah. Like, a lot of the scenes where he's talking a lot are scenes where he's in scenes with characters that never speak. So you don't get a lot of him going back and forth with people. I think that the show would have benefited from a lot less of the... um, a lot less of the Tuscan Raider thing. Yeah, maybe. And also not Mando Series 2.5. Yeah, exactly. Because the combination of those things together just makes it feel like the show doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Do you reckon we'll get a second season? There's still... They've said that there's a second season in development. Um, Obviously not right now, but it's possible. I don't know necessarily if I want to see one or what it would look like. Well, hopefully it'd be better. Hopefully, but I guess we'll see. Probably not a second Kenobi, right? No, they are talking about it. I don't know how they do really either of those as a second series. I think if you want Boba to come back, I think it's just going to be as a as a background appearance in like The Mandalorian. Um, yeah. I mean, I got so excited for Obi-Wan because I heard you told me like a year and a half before it released that Sung Kang was in it. Yes. And I got so amped and He's he was he was on screen for about 10 seconds and you couldn't even tell it was Sung Kang. 
Yeah, Sun I Kang, who plays uh, Han in Fast and Furious. The best character in Fast and Furious. Correct. Not arguably. Not best. arguably. The best. It's just that simple. I mean, he wasn't the best in 9, but that's because 9 did him dirty. But That's because 9 10, was just He was bad. great again. Well, kind of. Anyway, I digress. Well, we didn't see him much in 10, so there wasn't much chance for him to be bad. Yeah. Anyway. So the, the last remaining series we have to talk about um, is Andor, which I think is one of the, like Rogue One, I think it is one of the best Star Wars anythings of the last few years at the very least. Andor was better than Rogue One by far. Well, who knows? Maybe if we watch, when we watch Andor Season 1, Andor Season 2, if we then go and watch Rogue One again, maybe you'll like Rogue One a bit more. Well, when's Andor Series 2 coming out? Because it is coming. They're, uh, ma- they're making it. I think that they're on pause at the moment. I think they were filming for a little bit even when the strike was happening, but I think now they've had to to shut it down. They were filming not long after it released, weren't they? Yeah. Cause you at the moment it's still plotted to come out next year, but that might it might be delayed um by a bit. Yeah, we'll see. But I just think that that show it's dark it's not got any real focus on the whimsical elements of the universe there's no jedi there's no sith there's no like it's literally just this story about this man and his becoming this he's not even becoming a hero you know that's the most interesting thing i think is like he starts to show as like a not great person and like, you know, we know where he ends up in Rogue One. He's not a great person in that either. So it's not about him becoming a hero. It's about him. It's really about him becoming a person with an ideology. It's it's about him becoming this kind of rebel freedom fighter. Um, I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting some of the directions it goes in and, and the type of story it tells because it does tell a story about these people who sacrifice themselves for the sake of the galaxy and freedom from under the grip of the empire. Yeah, one thing I do want to know is what happened to the main guy in the prison with Andor? Oh, uh, Kino, the one played by Andy Circus. Yeah, him. We don't know. Maybe he appears in season two. I guess we'll find out. Remember, they were all jumping into the water and he yeah, said and he, he could can't swim. So, like, did he just stay there and die? Dunno. Because that'd be devastating because I really liked him. But I mean, <clears throat> maybe he did, you know? And, and at the end of the day, I think whether he did or whether he didn't, it's a powerful storytelling opportunity because if he did survive, it gives them the opportunity to do some interesting things with his character from that point. If he didn't survive and we just never see that character again, I mean, that's kind of powerful as well because then it's just showing, you know, you never know when the last time you're going to see a person is and and or just is like, you know, that's the last time I ever saw that person you know, I don't know what happened to him. You know, there's no record in the Imperial database of what happened to this person. He just is gone. Yeah, well, the weird thing, it's really weird watching Andor because 
you know the fate of that character. Yes, you do. You know, if anyone hasn't watched Rogue One, spoiler alert, he's in Rogue One and he dies. Yeah. Oh, there's just a generic spoiler alert on all of these episodes so that we can talk freely about whatever we want. Because I've spoiled about four different plots from a bunch of different shows. Yeah, but he dies and it's really weird, you know, how you already know what's going to happen to this character in the future in this universe. Mm. But you're watching it unfold after you've seen the end. Yeah, but it's because, you know, we don't get a lot of a sense of Cassian's, like, trajectory. We just see him as this kind of, like, fix-it man for for the rebellion. You know, he'll just go out and they send him to basically be an assassin. And it's really seen, okay, well, he was always kind of in that life. You know, he he... Sometimes it was bad decisions. Sometimes it was, you know, the wrong thing to do, but the right time to do it, you know. Um, I just find it really interesting the ways in which he um, grows throughout the series because ultimately what you want to see a character do is grow and we're watching him grow into the person he becomes um, at the end of... uh, you know, we're watching his growth to the point where we see him start in Rogue One and then he, of course, grows through the course of that narrative. Lovely. So uh, I'm just going to quickly run through some of the animated shows and my thoughts on them. Um, Yes, so I'm going to fade into the background. He's going to fade into the background like a force ghost. Uh Haha, we made it culturally relevant um so you've got the first animated series uh to come out of star wars was the clone wars which started in 2008 and had its final season come out in 2020 now that was after a a long hiatus it was basically it ran for six years straight from 2008 to 2014 um and then they came back in 2020 um and did a final season, season seven, um, which has some of the best moments in the entire show. Um, I thought there were eight seasons. No, seven. Oh. Are they going to make another one? Probably not because season seven ended as the Clone Wars ended. Like the final bits of season seven are like Order 66 and the fall of – like you end season seven – of the Clone Wars, seeing Vader kind of for the first time um, on a mission. I see. So you've got that one, uh, which ended in 2020. Now, I really like the Clone Wars from about halfway through season two to season three. The problem I have with the early episodes of the Clone Wars is that they had a really strange way of formatting them where it makes it really difficult as a new viewer approaching it to really get it because they jump around in time for the first year of the Clone Wars. They just kind of... The the episodes don't appear sequentially. So, you know, you'll be watching 
a, a few episodes in a row and they basically, a lot of them are either self-contained episodes where it's just, there's the story of the episode for 20 minutes and then it's over. And then there are some where they're kind of these three or four episode arcs where there's, you know, you're following these characters across a bit of a longer adventure. The problem becomes when you like watch there's there's particularly one instance of it where you watch these clones die in episode like five of season one. And then at the start of season two, we see them again. But it's because we're, we've gone back to an earlier point in their history. But it's just really confusing because they don't really tell you that. It's earlier. They just kind of go, oh, these clones. And so you go, oh, well, maybe they're different clones and they're reusing names but then no they talk about like they they reference stuff that the other guys had referenced as part of their backstory it's just really confusing for the first kind of two seasons and then they just do everything sequentially and everything kind of flows not always flows one plot line into the next but you can at least track everything's happening in sequential time and yeah, I, I enjoy it, but but it is just a little bit confusing. So then next in chronological order in terms of what comes next in the chronology of the series is The Bad Batch. So The Bad Batch, the characters of The Bad Batch were introduced in The Clone Wars. So basically the clones were all created, and Cooper, I don't know how much of this you remember, but I'm just going to run it through for everybody. The clones were created from the genetic material of Jango Fett, who is Boba Fett's father. Now, Boba Fett is technically also a clone. He's, you know, he wasn't born biologically. He was grown in a test tube. The difference between him and the clones is that the clones have been genetically altered to age faster than regular people. So, you know, 10 years for a clone, they look like they're in their mid-20s to early 30s. You know, they they mature a lot faster. And so, but uh, Boba was basically designed as a one-to-one genetic clone of, um, of Django. So, of course, during any kind of work with genetics, there is the possibility for mutation. So that's where Clone Force 99 come in. They are mutated clones. So they're Clone Force 99, a.k.a. the Bad Batch. And they are Hunter, who uh, basically it's really difficult to figure out what Hunter's deal is because they kind of change what his abilities are pretty frequently. But basically he is, uh, he's got heightened senses. He's got, he's in tune with electromagnetic waves. He's got very attuned sense of smell, sight, hearing. Um, and that's why he's called Hunter. Then there's Wrecker, who's the biggest clone of them all. He's massive and he's incredibly strong. Like he rips parts off big like troop carriers and runs them around as like shields. Then you've got Tech who is a super intelligent clone 
you know, he's an expert in all things technical and he can rewire anything and all these kind of things. You've got Crosshair, who's a sniper. Um, all clones are designed to be pretty good short range, but Crosshair is like, you know, an insane sniper who can sit kilometers away on a hill and make a pinpoint accurate shot. Uh, and then you've got Echo, who is different in the sense that he was not born genetically different. What happened to Echo was that Echo was captured by the Empire during a um, during an operation, and they basically wanted to extract information from his mind, so they made him partially into a droid. They replaced one of his hands with um, like a droid splicer and they installed a computer in his brain so that they could siphon information out of him like a droid. Um, And he was rescued by the Bad Batch and joined up with them because he couldn't bear to be a part of a usual, like a normal clone unit again after that. Um. So the Bad Batch has had two seasons to date. I've watched all of season one and I've watched half of season two because um, I got really bored. Um, it's a really strange show. They don't, unlike in the Clone Wars, they don't do like arc episodes. I think they started doing them towards the end of the second season. I just haven't gotten there yet. Um, So like in the first season in particular, all of their episodes are like, you know, problem arises at the start of the episode. The problem has to be resolved by the end of the episode and the episode's 20 minutes long. So it's kind of like, oh, by the time we've started, established the scene the pro- and the problem, it's just kind of like something goes wrong and then there's a solution and then everything's fine. Um, so it's just a bit, eh. Um, but it's interesting to see the inside of what, the kind of early days of the empire was like, um, cause that's when it takes place. It takes place right after order 66 and the fall of the Republic and, um, the earliest days of the empire. And it's kind of seen how the clones got replaced with the stormtroopers and all that kind of thing. Um, so the bad batch, it's all right. Then you've got star Wars rebels, which is set about, it starts about four or five years before a new hope. And it follows the early days of this one rebel cell um, called Ghost Squadron or Phoenix Cell. They have many different names. But they eventually become part of the Rebel Alliance. And they are... Rebels is kind of um, a direct prequel to the Ahsoka series. So Ahsoka appears in Rebels. So do um, Harrison Dula, who's going to be in Ahsoka... Sabine Wren, who's going to be in Ahsoka. Ezra Bridger, going to be in Ahsoka. Um, Garazeb Aurelios, or Zeb, who appeared in Season 3 of The Mandalorian. Who's he? I'll show you a picture of him. You'll recognize him. I lost my mind when I saw him. But this is what Zeb looks like. Oh, okay. He's in in the bar with that guy. I remember. Yeah, so Zeb um, and then they had a, a Jedi with them called Caleb Doom slash Kanan Jarrus 
who he was in an episode that we just watched, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, Ahsoka appears in it. Maul appears in it. Obi-Wan appears in it. It's basically like... Um, yeah, it's just a lot of the early days of the rebellion and it ends about a year before the um a year before a new hope um it also features the a a character who will become very important uh in Ahsoka which is Grand Admiral Thrawn who is the heir to the empire he's one of the uh emperor's most trusted advisors and military leaders and he is dangerous. And that's who Ahsoka is going to be going up against in the new series. Uh, really quickly going through the last four because I don't have much to say about these ones because um, either there's not much to say or I haven't seen them. So the ones I haven't seen, I haven't seen Star Wars Resistance, which was set just before The Force Awakens and it follows a, re- a team of... Uh, resistance pilots and spies uh, trying to foil the plans of the First Order. It's got Poe Dameron in it. It's got a bunch of um, Star Wars characters from that time period. I hear it's pretty good. I just wasn't really invested in it at the time and have not gone back to watch it since. You've also then got uh, Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures, which is just not for my target demographic. It's a kid's show. Um with a bunch of young Jedi Padawans and their adventures uh, in what's called the High Republic era, which we'll get back to in a minute. But it's basically hundreds of years before um, the time period of these movies. So it's hundreds of years before a a Phantom Menace. Uh, The two that I have seen, most of them, I've seen most of Tales of the Jedi, um, which is a show that gives further backstory in the first season, at least, to Ahsoka Tano and Count Dooku. Um, the Ahsoka stuff has been really good watching in the lead-up to Ahsoka, just kind of getting a bit more familiar with her as a character. And the Count Dooku stuff's just interesting because you get little bits of Yoda and Qui-Gon Jinn and stuff. Uh, and then Star Wars Visions, which is an anime series where each individual episode is produced by a different studio and brings a unique perspective to Star Wars. Um, have I shown you the my favorite episode of that one, Cooper? I uh, don't think so. It's called the Ronin. It is amazing. Star Wars. So that's what it looks like. It's very like it's black and white with just the red of lightsabers. Yeah, no, you haven't shown me that one. We should watch it. It's so good. It's a phenomenal, like, it's like 10 minutes long. That's great. I love it. Um, So there's that one. Um, But there's just a bunch of little vignette stories, which are cool. Um, So that's all of the Star Wars TV of the last few years. In terms of what's coming up, we've got Ahsoka which has just come out, first two episodes, go give a watch. I'm hearing early good things about it. Um, We'll be able to comment more about it. That'll probably be in our end of September one, do you reckon? Oh, maybe even October. Oh, my God. I think it's eight episodes long. Oh, yeah, probably. I, I think it finishes October 4th, and then I think Loki starts October 6th. Ah. I think. Um. 
whatever it is. For Loki. Yeah, whatever it is, Ahsoka finishes on like the Tuesday and Loki starts on the Friday. So that'll be good. So yeah, we'll we'll be talking about Ahsoka. We might talk about the premiere a little in top of the show of the main show next week. Um but at the very least we'll at some point we'll we'll mention it in one of our shows. Probably later once it's over probably. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a f- full kind of revisit of it. Um but we might mention our thoughts on the premiere soon. We've also got Andor season two, which will basically run from in timeline wise. It'll start right where the last season finished, and it'll go right the way through to Rogue One, um, and he'll basically be becoming uh, the rebel assassin that he is when we meet him again. Then we've got uh, Skeleton Crew, which is a bit of a younger geared. Um, show and it's been described as like a very Steven Spielberg adventure movie type thing where it's TV series though. It's basically four kids who end up on an adventure to make their way home after being lost in the galaxy following a discovery they make on their home planet. Um, It takes place during the same time period as The Mandalorian, as Ahsoka, as The Book of Boba Fett. And it will, those characters will appear, they're doing a movie at some point in the near future um, that will kind of uh, wrap up The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, all of those shows, the kind of plot that they're creating where it's about the retaking of Mandalore, the rise of Grand Admiral Thrawn, all of these things. There's going to be a movie to kind of um, wrap that plot line up and the skeleton crew will factor into that. And then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, there's a show called The Acolyte, which is coming next year, I believe. I think they finished filming that one. And it's set 100 years before The Phantom Menace, and it follows a former Padawan who reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated as darkness begins to rise once more in the galaxy after a period of peace. Wow. Yeah, so it's going to be a bit darker. It's going to be very um, Jedi and Sith focused. But yeah, that is the state of Star Wars television and what is to come. Thank you very much, lovely listeners, for bearing with us while we talk, you know, talk shop on Star Wars. Uh, We hope you enjoyed. We hope you maybe learnt something, take something away from this episode. But until we see you next week for the main show and the week after for our wrap-up of August movies in Filmic Feelings, we wish you adieu. And I can feel your anger. (coughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry. Don't edit that out. (laughs) I can feel your anger. Yeah, that's my line. Uh, well, you got to start doing it again. Anyway, bye. Bye. bye.